Yesterday, a doctor put a camera in my pee hole. This is a thing I consented to, and I'd rate it a one out of 10, would not recommend. Except for the knowing I don't have bladder gremlins or cancer stuff, that's great. Also, two parts of the internet that said this would be a 2.8 out of 10 on the pain scale, and it was less pain and more discomfort. I hate you, and I will find you. Like, I don't know what kinky shit y'all do in your off time, but it was like a hot poker on my insides. My brain just short-circuited for 60 seconds. And somehow, during this procedure, I felt bad like I was being rude to my urologist. She was like trying to give me a tour of my insides as she was inside me and I was like, that's no, I don't care what my urethra looks like. I've seen the boys. But yeah, part of getting older sucks. That's the main point of this. Uh, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco show. I got a great show for you today and let's just jump into it. And, you know, the first thing that we're going to talk about today, this is a, this is a tone shift as we're going from that kind of goofy intro to something that's serious, it's sad, it's infuriating, and it's news stemming from the recent loss of a creator by the name of Technoblade. As you might've seen last week, his family posted his final video on his channel, confirming that he had passed away after a battle with cancer. And with that, I will say when the news came out, there were a lot of y'all asking why I didn't cover this story. And here's thing, I don't have hard rules, but for something this sensitive in community, I, I try to be careful. Despite how big he was, I was only vaguely aware of who he was, and it was always good stuff, but you know, I wasn't really a part of the main audience. And so just kind of being an outsider looking in, I, I didn't really know if there was anything I could add to that story. For me personally, I just, I watched the video where his dad was speaking, and it's impossible to watch that and not just be hit directly into your heart. And so I kind of just opted to watch and experience that, because I think there are a million ways to do that video wrong, and maybe one or two ways to do it right. You know, we've seen no shortage of creators in this community speaking on, you know, the, the massive loss that they're feeling with this. But also with all of these people who are legitimately mourning, you also have people who have hijacked a tragedy for their own monetary gain. And as of late, we've seen a lot of talk online, more creators speaking out about other creators using Technoblade's passing as an opportunity to get more views and cash by making insane amounts of clickbait videos that feature him. With one creator, It's Owen, apparently doing this so egregiously that he got his channel banned. Without let's knowing that technically it hasn't been revealed what led to the ban, but it comes as tons of people were calling him out for posting clickbaiting content regarding Technoblade, including a video titled Mr. Beast's final goodbye to Technoblade, which while that video is no longer up to view, many have said that it's not real and it was just outright fake clickbait. Which is why in the past day, we're seeing big names like Moist Critical calling out this behavior online and saying it's one thing to post one video about Technoblade to pay tribute or discuss his legacy, but some people are clearly crossing that line and doing far more than that, including one channel that's posted 25 Technoblade videos since his passing and saying that these are just clear grabs for clicks, subscribers, and cash. But also saying money isn't necessarily the worst part. Even if none of them were monetized, you are still directly putting your mouth on the teats of this and milking it and capitalizing off of it. There's being respectful and then there's being shameful. And it's very clear where most of these fall. And you know, with this to add to the discussion, I don't know if there is a proper way to deal with this. And I think that's in part because of how the algorithms on social media sites work. Like I said at the beginning of the story, before his passing, I was only vaguely aware of who Technoblade was. His videos weren't getting recommended to me. But literally the moment after I saw Moist Critical's video talking about this, all of a sudden I started getting fed all the clickbait videos that he was talking about. And so it's like this weird situation where by calling out bad things, we accidentally promote those bad things because of the how fucking and stupid and broken the system is. Which is why outside of this specific Technoblade situation today, it's going to be a problem elsewhere. So that's why with this story, yes, I'd love to know your opinion on the story in general, but also what do you think should happen? Are you of the mindset and are you in the camp of these channels need to get banned? And if so, where is the place that you would like draw the line? Because looking through the content, there's outright fake stuff. And then there's also kind of like low quality, low turnaround stuff. Things where they say like this creator said this about Technoblade and it's just kind of like a, a computer voice reading their tweet. It's technically not fake, but it is exploitive. So like, what do you do? 
there. I don't know. Any and all thoughts you have there, I'd love to know. But yeah, I just, I hate this whole fucking situation. And then you're likely familiar with the phrase desperate times, desperate measures. And the desperate time for many right now is Roe v. Wade being overturned. And the desperate measure is people turning to the misinformation riddled internet for abortion alternatives. With one popular abortion method making its way online being herbal abortions, which can be very, very dangerous. Or you might've already seen people sharing videos promoting herbs like Pennyroyal, Blue Cohosh, and Mugwort to terminate pregnancies. And even though TikTok told Bloomberg they had deleted a ton of posts, saying obviously we would, this violates guidelines against promoting dangerous acts that could result in injury or death. A quick search for terms like herbal abortion or abortion teas still give you a handful of videos that have racked up thousands of views promoting these ideas. And videos related to herbal abortion have been viewed over 750 million times. And luckily there's a decent number of those videos now trying to debunk this. But with the way especially TikTok works, it just takes one wrong video to come across one person's FYP for them to potentially see this misinformation and think it's worth trying. Which is why we're seeing doctors speaking up and warning against these methods with many sharing now viral threads on Twitter to raise awareness. Including the likes of this emergency room doctor who said, please do not take Pennyroyal as an herbal abortion. With him explaining to Rolling Stone that Pennyroyal contains an agent that forms toxins in the body and can cause liver necrosis as well as vomiting, abdominal pain, seizures, liver failure, and death. And adding that blue cohosh is similarly dangerous. And Dr. Ryan Marino also tweeting, there is no safe amount of Pennyroyal that humans can consume. And adding, even at low doses, that might not send you to the hospital, but noting there is risk of long-term health complications. There is no evidence it can induce abortion or provide any benefit. It can only harm. With other doctors going directly to TikTok where this is spreading the most and trying to counter the misinformation, including Dr. Jen Gunter. There are no safe, effective herbs or botanicals to cause abortion. People might be spreading this with good intention, but they're wrong, okay? They're incorrect. If there were safe, effective herbal methods, people would be using them. We'd be telling people, I would have no reason to keep that information from you. And explaining in a Substack piece that some of the herbs are literally poisonous. So if they do terminate a pregnancy, that's merely a byproduct of you being poisoned and should by no means be considered a safe option. But even with doctors trying to correct this misinformation, it's an understood that lies and misinformation spread faster than the truth or the correction. With Dr. Mary Jane Minkin telling Rolling Stone that horrible elements of a history could start repeating, saying, I'm horrified, they're going to kill people. It's terrifying because 49 years ago, that's how women died. And even though I feel like on this channel, I'm preaching to the choir, let's remember to listen to doctors, listen to scientists, to experts. If you hear alternatives that sound too simple to be true, it's probably because it's not. And even though this is a time where we're seeing people's options getting limited by the day, where essential forms of healthcare are no longer accessible for the women that need them, no situation is helped by doing something that could potentially be lethal. And I'm just one dumb idiot trying to get this information out there on my corner of the internet. So please, if you see this misinformation out there, spread the truth. Just takes a few seconds and a few keystrokes. Then in what the fuck news, we should talk about Colorado funeral home director, Megan Hess. Because according to this DOJ plea, agreement, Hess and her mother ran an illegal body part selling scam involving hundreds of corpses between 2010 and 2018. So apparently she would sometimes ask families, hey, can I send small tissue samples or tumors to schools and facilities? But then regardless of their answer, she'd do it anyways. And frankly, sometimes she wouldn't even ask. And here's the thing, small tissue samples, not small. Turns out she would send entire heads, arms, legs, torso, sometimes even entire bodies. And the way she was able to pull this off, right? She wasn't doing some like Ocean's Eleven heist. All she had to do was give these families fake cremated remains of their loved ones. And it became so lucrative that they could lower the cost of cremation services to just about $1,000 to get more bodies. And beyond just ripping the families off, Hess also lied to the researchers. In addition to forging signatures to donate the body, she would even alter lab reports from the deceased to hide the fact that they had actually tested positive for things like HIV or hepatitis. And so with all this, Hess can get up to 20 years. She only had to plead guilty to a mail fraud charge and dodged eight others as part of the agreement. Her mother has pled not guilty, but has a change of plea hearing scheduled for next week. So I guess the main point of this story is I knew funerals cost an arm and a leg, but this is ridiculous.
But from that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. You know, I've been partnering with Squarespace for years now, and I have to say, if you're getting your business off the ground or creating a place to share your homemade goods, new favorite hobby, current obsession, or even a personal blog to get all those thoughts out of your head, no matter what you're doing, Squarespace is there to help. And it's so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. And with their mobile-optimized websites, your content automatically adjusts to your content looks great on any device. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics and their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat 24-7. So if you want to check it out and see why so many others love it, if it's right for you, go ahead and start your free trial today over at squarespace.com slash phil. And when you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code phil to get 10% off your first purchase. And then, as pretty much anyone with eyes and ears knows, the pandemic put a ton of stress on teachers and students. What we're now learning is this has led to more behavioral issues. Where things have gotten a lot worse in American schools, especially since people have returned to the classroom. And according to the National Center for Education statistics, more than 80% of schools say that the pandemic has taken a toll on student behavior and social-emotional development. The data was collected from 846 public schools as the 2021-2022 academic year was wrapping up, and it finding increased conflict among students, sometimes leading to violence. Also finding that you have over half of schools reporting a rise in classroom disruptions because of student misconduct, nearly half pointing to jumps and out-of-classroom rowdiness, and 46% reporting more fighting and threats of physical attacks. And naturally, teachers are affected as well, yes, of course, by their own stress, but also as these teachers explain. Do you feel like in some ways the kids' stress and anxiety is also something that the teachers take on? Absolutely. Those are my babies. My babies. So as a result, you have nearly half of schools reporting higher teacher absences than a year earlier. Chronic absenteeism among students skyrocketing as more than 7 in 10 schools say they've seen a rise. And those in the more impoverished areas are feeling this the hardest. Now, as for the specific reasons why this is happening, there are several. But one factor is just how jarring the shift back from remote learning to in-person learning was for many students, as this Oregon administrator explains. And all of a sudden, you have kids all around you and routines that uh, you're not familiar with and classes that are 60 to 90 minutes long when you've only done things on the same timetable as TikTok for 18 months. It's just hard to manage. You also have the president of the American Federation of Teachers linking these increased problems to the country's culture wars and angry politics intensified by social media and saying there that the toxic discourse filters into the classroom and emphasizing the need for more guidance counselors, social workers, and wraparound services. And this is happening at the same time as the president of Maryland's largest teachers union says that schools continue to lack sufficient staffing, training, and student supports. There's also just the sheer amount of grief the kids have had to grapple with as the pandemic's death toll has climbed. Like, I know a lot of us have put blinders on. We're just trying to move forward. But it's important to remember that around a quarter million children children have lost a caregiver, including 200,000 losing one or both parents. And partly because of all of this stress, emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts among adolescents jumped 31% in 2020. And so for today, that's where I'm going to end it. But of course, I want to pass the question off to you, especially if you're a teacher, a parent, a student, a whatever. What has it been like for you and where are you at now? And then we need to talk about the Brits and what's happening with their whole political situation right now. Because we may all be witnessing Boris Johnson's political career imploding in front of our eyes right now. But as you probably already know, Johnson's term as prime minister has been plagued by scandal after scandal. From Partygate to his slow coronavirus response to his asylum deportation policy to runaway inflation. Now the latest fire he's dancing on is about sexual assault. Mind you, Johnson didn't assault anybody, but last Wednesday the conservative's deputy chief whip, Chris Pincher, allegedly did, groping two men at a private dinner party. With him saying the next day that he drank far too much, then resigning as party whip, though he does remain as a member of parliament. With Johnson then coming under pressure to suspend Pincher from the party, and after a formal complaint was lodged on Friday, he did just that. But that just means that Pincher's gonna sit as an independent. Then we saw over the weekend's 
six more claims of inappropriate behavior from Pinscher stretching back several years, though. He's denied those allegations. And as far as where Johnson apparently fits into all this is what many are calling the cover-up. Because he had many people asking, why was this guy ever even in the conservative government to begin with, given his history of alleged misconduct? And at first, Johnson's press officer's answers was, Johnson was never aware of it. But a lot of people called bullshit on that, and so Johnson moved to his second excuse. He knew about the allegations in 2019, but they had been resolved. And then in his third move, Johnson's office admitted that he knew one of the misconduct claims had been upheld at the time he promoted Pinscher to the Whip's office. And so he saw in response to these revelations, two senior cabinet members resigning, with the Solicitor General and several holders of junior government posts also stepping down and protests adding to the fury and frustration felt by many conservative party members. And so all of this has amounted to Johnson's biggest political crisis to date. And it culminated today in a wild committee hearing where lawmakers ruthlessly interrogated him. He knew the accused minister had previously committed predatory behavior, but he promoted him to a position of power anyway. Why? And you had Johnson seemingly backtracking on his earlier admissions, claiming that he demoted Pincher as soon as he found out about the misconduct and adding, I want to say to him that I abhor uh, bullying and abuse of power anywhere uh, in Parliament, uh, in this party or in any other party. And at the climax of the hearing, you had Johnson answering this key question and just watch the utter chaos that ensues. Does the Prime Minister think there are any circumstances in which he should resign? <laughs> I think, I, Mr. Speaker, I, clearly, if, uh, uh, if there were circumstances in which I felt it was uh, impossible for the government to go on and discharge uh, the mandate uh, that we've been given, uh, or if I felt, for instance, that we were being frustrated in our desire to support the Ukrainian people, uh, or, or over some major point, uh, then I would. But, but frankly, Mr. Speaker, the job of a Prime Minister in difficult circumstances when he's been handed a colossal mandate is to keep going. And that's what I'm going to do. So yeah, that's where we are. Johnson's still clinging on to power for dear life. And what happens next is up in the air. But he barely survived the no confidence vote last month. But he can't face another one until 12 months have passed. But also, it is possible that the 1922 Committee of Conservative Backbenchers will rewrite the rules to force Johnson out of office. And in fact, its executive just set the committee elections for next week. And if enough anti-Johnson lawmakers get elected to it, this could be game over for Boris. And well, of course, I'd love to know everyone's thoughts. For the Brits out there, what are you thinking? But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. I'd love to know your thoughts on any and all stories. Stay in those comments down below. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.